So today we're sitting down with uh, Chicago-based musician and stylist Jordan Martin. Uh, I've been following him on Instagram for quite some time, and I knew uh, that when we were looking for people to interview on the podcast that he was going to be perfect for this. Uh, we uh, we actually been trying to get him on for quite some time, but I'll let him tell you how busy he's been in the studio working on some new stuff and uh, you know just getting some new tunes out there. So uh, please welcome musician and stylist Jordan Martin to the Untied Podcast. Man, thank you guys. Hey. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, no problem. How are you? I'm good, man. Uh, you know, fresh, fresh on a good day. Um, had a busy day today, but it's all good, man. Now I'm on the podcast. So I'm with you guys. So I'm joining Hot Tea. Great English way. And uh, yeah, let's get it cracking, man. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. So you actually, you had a busy day uh, working with uh, Congruent uh, Space, right? Over there? Uh, I was with Iridium today. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Iridium you were with Iridium. Yeah. This weekend I'll be with Congruent uh, getting ready for the Basket Case Gallery. Um, they're having a pop-up at the store on Saturday. So Friday we're going to start, you know, setting up for that. And then Saturday rocking and rolling with the pop-up all day. So, yeah, That's awesome. Busy week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was uh, when I was texting you earlier today, I was uh, I was actually scrolling through the website. It looks awesome the way they do all the build outs in there yeah, uh, for the different cool, shoots cool. and everything. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, but, you know, let's let's actually let's go all the way back to the beginning. Let's uh, let's. So. So your musician uh, is how I knew you before I knew you were a stylist. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, what, like, what was your moment where you decided you wanted to get into music? Uh, bro, to believe it or not, man, it started with my parents, um, you know, going to church at a young age with my little brothers. And, uh, you know, as a young kid in like a grown adult church, you know, there's not much you can kind of connect to. The only thing really that you kind of understand was the music. Um, so I would just sit and watch like the drum set player. You know, Justice and I would just kind of, you know, get some air drum sticks and kind of just play along to the songs. And uh, that's really how we got it kind of started, you know. Um, and it really helped because at the time when, you know, you know, school uh, and band in school started to become available, you know, around the fifth grade. Um, that's where I was like, OK, I really need to, you know, jump at this. I kind of want to learn more about music, you know, besides what I was learning in church. Um, and then since then, you know, since fifth grade, I've just been in music. So that's really all I've, you know, done, competed in, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, it's always yeah. been a part of my life. Yeah. Cause I, well, that's around like the time I met you was like around, uh, well, uh, my fifth grade. Cause you're, uh, you were like two years ahead, right? Yeah. Three years yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like I was running with your brother for a while and like, mm -hmm. I still do, I still talk to him every day, but I, yeah. uh, he, he, we, that was when I started, uh, you know, seeing you in music and doing all that stuff because the band and choir rooms were connected. Yeah. Uh, so I would always like see you guys in there, but uh, that's awesome. I mean, I, I've heard a lot of different people pull their inspiration from different things up, but I mean, I don't hear that many uh, that, you know, dial it back to, you know, growing up in church and yeah. going to things like that. So that's awesome. Jordan. Yeah. I What's up? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Nah, I was just going to say it made it, you know, it made a huge difference, um, especially in terms of like the music that I personally like to listen to. You know, like um, if you kind of hear like R&B, um, a lot of R&B takes a lot of roots from, you know, um, gospel songs and stuff like that. So it's pretty interesting to kind of see the mix of how, you know, gospel or anything that is, you know, somewhat religious musically still plays a tie into, you know, the culture of music now. So Oh, yeah. So I'm 
I mean, it sounds like your church was bumping because, okay, so growing up, my mom was super religious and we would always go to Sunday mass and it was like the boring, the organ player and the solo lady just singing her heart out in the back. And then, and then I would go to church with my dad uh, whenever we would go visit him and they had a live band and that was like going to a concert every single time. That shit was awesome. Every Sunday, man. I'm telling you, (laughs) it was like a major time because Bro, because, like, I feel like everyone can relate, you know, when they go to a church as a kid. Like, it doesn't seem very appealing, you know? No matter, no no amount of, yeah, I'll take you out to eat after, or, yeah, you know, this <laughs> and that, you know, prompt you Debbie candy. None of that is going to make you excited, but you have to find things in that, you know? And it's kind of sick that, you know, you kind of relate to that as well. Because, I, you know, I have a couple friends who... I would go to church with them and kind of see like the mass style and like they're singing very like opera style. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm, like I'm like, okay, so uh, when, when is the rhythm section go kick in? <laughs> you know? that, that was the kind of church that they were bringing me to for the longest time. My parents Ooh. would like, they would drag me there and like, there were the majority of the time I remember going to church and literally waking up in the middle of church. And then they'd be like, it's time to like do the, you know, you get the wine and all that. And then mm-hmm. my, yeah, I couldn't, uh, yeah, the, I could, the communion. Yeah, uh, and it. yeah, I was, I'm sac- I, I'm, I did all the sacraments, but I can't remember. <laughs> I mean, I went to, I went to Catholic school for a handful of years. So, oh, I've, so you got stuck in it. Yeah. I spent my time in church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly you 30 hours and some you know <laughs> that's right all right so from an early age um you were uh you obviously you played the drums in high high school right you're in the marching yeah. band yeah i was in the marching band uh march uh so my freshman year marching band funny story i didn't make it i didn't know how to read you know percussion music uh because all the way in middle school i played horn instruments so uh, when it got to high school and having a march drum line, you clearly have to read music. Um, so I can, you know, I can kind of keep up with the sticking. I was a very visual learner, so I can watch somebody, you know, um, whoever's on the snare line, I can watch them play probably about twice. And then I'll pick up the lick that they're playing and be able to play it back. Damn. But the thing wow. was, Mr. Nelson was, he was like, yeah, you got to learn how to read music. So he put me in the front ensemble for that freshman year. And for that whole year, I literally just like every time we got a break, you know, because, like, at our high school at Lake Central, marching bands are, is a huge thing. Like, we compete on a national level. So it, it, they take it pretty serious. Um, and so I just kept, like, just trying at it. You know, every break that I got, you know, shout out to my friends, you know, Marshawn and, like, uh, Kenneth Washington. Like, they would take time outside of, like, the practices and, like, because they, they both marched drumline prior. And um, so they would take time, you know, kind of chopping it out with me, kind of teaching me how to read music. Then I'll spend time with like guys like Lorenzo and Noah who were on the drum line. And they were also taking time out of their days um, out of practice to kind of teach me. And so, um, you know, Mr. Nelson was kind of seeing me doing that, you know, throughout that year. And then by the time sophomore year started to come around and, you know, we started getting ready for the next season, it was almost like a no brainer for Mr. Nelson. He was like, yeah, just kind of go work out with the snares. I wasn't even really had to try out again because he already just saw it you know throughout that year so it was pretty cool and then ended up you know being a section leader and a snare captain my senior year so it was cool you know great journey to be honest hard work pays off baby it does <laughs> it does man you know, i've been dreaming about those days what horns did you play in middle school uh trombone and then i played i started with clarinet i was horrible with it you know you can ask my parents man they hate it when i'll be at home trying to practice because <laughs> that's <laughs> That's that uh isn't the clarinet with the like the super like tiny yeah. skinny wooden piece yeah, thing? Yeah, it is. Yeah. The reed, man. Yeah, the reed. Yeah, you gotta it. sit down 
bro, like it was horrible. It was just horrible. I the sounds that were coming out of it weren't weren't meant to be. You know, have to do with a clarinet. So it was pretty crazy. And then the trombone was definitely way easier. Um, I still wasn't the best at trombone, but like you know, I, I definitely worked my ass off with it. You know, and I enjoyed it too. Um, I was able to make like great friends in that section. The low brass, you know, shout out the low brass, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was sick. And then I was just always doing drums, so that never stopped. And then when I got to high school, it was just like full on drums, you know, from jazz band to winter percussion to marching band. I was just full throttle, you know. So I, I have a confession for you. Um, I watched I watched School of Rock once, and I decided that I was going to become a drummer because yeah. the, the kid on School of Rock was blonde hair and blue eyes, and I was too. So exactly. I made my mom, yeah, I made my mom buy me a drum set for Christmas. I played it once, and then I think she bought it for like almost four hundred bucks, and I think my dad wow. sold it two years later for like fifty dollars because it just sat in the garage forever. So as a drummer myself, um, <laughs> I loosely do. You, do you think? Yeah. Do you think it's the sexiest position in a band, or do you think the lead guitarist has it? In a band, to be honest, uh, I personally think it's always the singer, because the singer has so much power. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he can kind of look at somebody in the eye in a crowd and, like, centrally talk to them with the words, you know? That's true, But the drummer... The drummer weirdly always gets that respect, you know, like where everybody's like, yo, if you get a sick drummer, people are going to let you know that. And nine times out of ten, you become the main attraction just because it's like, bro, you're so visually stimulating to watch, you know? True. Um, so it's one of those, you know, the shout out guitars. But, you know, I feel like they're kind of played out, you know, when it comes to like being the the sex symbol of a band. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I, I, I definitely think uh, I agree with what you said. But with the drummer, I think it comes down to the fact that the drummer like is kind of the baseline of everything, you know, like they're keeping the rhythm, they're doing all this. So it's that and like the lead singer. So I would hundred percent agree with that, but yeah. like, or, or, or at least the front man of the band, you know what I mean? Sure. Like the, the main uh, face of it is usually yeah. the, but the tempo yeah. controller that plays a big, big difference, especially in shows. Cause you know, if the drummer starts slowing down. It's like, okay, what's happening to the band? You guys are like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like slow down. So it's always a very important part. Like you kind of see it even in marching band, you know, like, you know, if the drummer, you know, if the drum line is not in sync with the drum major, man, it, it plays a big difference with the rest of the band, you know, it affects the rest of the band. So it was always like one thing, even though we're like super far away on the football field from a drum major, you know, like, as a snare captain, you always having to, to count and always pay attention, but then also remember your sets on the field, you know, use your peripheral vision and make sure that, you know, you're keeping your space in between, you know, um, your fellow like uh, snares and whoever else you're kind of intermingling with throughout the show of an 11 minute show that's like very high intensity. So, man, the drummer, drummer is the backbone and the heart. So I definitely agree with you guys 100%. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And then, so so after you got uh, you got done with uh, the high school marching band, and you guys you guys actually you went to state a couple times, right? Well, you were yeah yeah like so. all four years we made it to state, um, and then we also made it to grand national finals every year. It's just that when we get to grand national finals, that's when we're like facing you know bands from LA to Texas to Hawaii, like some of the best bands in the world, you know. And it it was tough, man, because like. You know, as much as you think that, you know, you'll go a whole straight season of just getting straight ones throughout, you know, the Illinois and like Indiana circuit. Then we go over to like Ohio, compete in the Bands of America in Toledo. We win that one. And then we come over to play like actual Grand National Finals um, at Lucas Oil Stadium. And that's when we're like, 
we're being like the cream of the crop and we're like whoa man like it was a humbling moment like we're not as good as we thought you know <laughs> or like you know we there's a lot of things we still have to work on so it was pretty sick to honestly be able to play in front of like thousands of people to f- that fill up a you know nfl stadium so it was major that's yeah. insane and i mean it obviously prepped you for your career right now like i'm sure getting on stage right now is no big deal Oh, it's, it's, I literally, it's funny that you kind of bring that up because I get a lot of people who ask me, like, bro, do you get nervous? I was like, man, I had time to get out those nerves, you know, when I would come out of a tunnel and next thing you know, I'm looking up and I'm like, whoa, like, this is where the Colts play. And it's a full stadium of people Damn. who are dead silent, paying attention strictly <laughs> to you guys play. So, you know, it kind of got me used to just kind of that showmanship and like how to know how to like work a crowd and really be like interactive with it, um, which I enjoy to this day because it allows me to just, you know, be myself and have my personality shine through. So you'll see a lot of dancing when I'm on stage, a lot of like charismatic movement and, you know, interaction. I think that's what continues to like kind of build the name of who I am as a performer. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So so after you moved from that, you went... uh you, is, do you just jump right into like working in Chicago and uh, doing that or? No. So I, w- I went to the art Institute um, for a little bit. Um, oh. Actually, it was actually crazy, crazy real. So I originally went to Vincennes university um, for one year, did not like it. I was went there to play ball, um, you know, uh, injuries and just like school itself just didn't work out being in that down South Indiana. It just wasn't a perfect fit for me. Right. Um, so I came back, you know, kind of evaluated things and it was actually my mother who was like, you know, you're always drawing sneakers. Like you used to always draw them. Um, and they're all over your room, bro. Like why, why don't you like, uh, you know, kind of go to school to like learn how to make them. Um, and so, you know, I had all these drawings in my portfolio and then our Institute like randomly sent me an email saying that they're having, you know, a fashion show. So I was like, all right, cool. You know, like, let me at least attend. And I ended up talking to the dean of students for like at least like two and a half hours. Um, and then that's when, you know, they prompted me like, yo, you need to you know, actually set up a meeting where we can, you know, look over your portfolio and everything. And then I just really showed them a whole bunch of sketches of me from when I was a kid. And then, you know, it was a wrap since then, got into the school and then, you know, just studying fashion. And that's what threw me into that world, you know, cause I was, I wasn't as fashion forward as I am now. Um, I, I would call myself at that time more of like a GQ observer. You know, I was, you know, kind of dressing what I saw in GQ, not knowing that there was a whole universe outside of that um, of fashion, you know, and it's, it was kind of sick to see that transformation throughout, you know, the years of being in school and then coming out and like, oh, now nah, I'm a free bird. I can kind of do what I want and was getting into to so many projects and you know even while i was in school i was getting all these like opportunities to do this project opportunities to do this you know be in this program and do that so it was pretty sick to be around so so when you were at vincennes what did you were so you were there to play ball but what did you study while you were there yeah i studied like i did sports broadcasting and then i switched over and i was like yeah i can't do this um even (laughs) though i did that in high school i was actually really good at that in high school um with lctv but yeah, when I got to college, I was like, I just don't have the love for this, um, like I did in high school. And then, you know, changed over to psychology. And then psychology was nice. You know, it was really good to be able to, you know, examine people and examine how the brain really works and how we interact as human beings. Um, so that was pretty cool. But I think what I was really missing was that, like, waking up and wanting to go to class and, like, yearn for, you know, more education in whatever I was studying. And then I think that's when, you know, I had that, you know, that year of like literally coming back and that's when I started playing more more of the music started to blow up in that year of me coming home that was when I was playing like all these little shows at like little you know um, 
skateboard shops in Indiana and like little back room, like basement shows. Um, and then during that time, when I started school is when I started trans, you know, transferring my Indiana performances into like starting to book more like Chicago shows. And then I've just kind of been running then, you know, since I don't think I've played an Indiana show in maybe about, I don't know, three or four years. I think <laughs> Festival of the Lakes was the last one that we played when uh, me and uh, the band No Object, we opened up for Flow Rider and Ludacris. So that was pretty, pretty decent. Pretty yeah. Cool. yeah, that's awesome. All right, Jordan, yeah. I... I need a favor from you, okay? What's up, my go, G? Anything. We're, we're gonna we're gonna go back to shoes real quick. Okay. Can you? I love shoes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's a difference in love. Like I, I have friends that have like over 50 pairs. I have like over 30, yeah. which I know people that have hundreds and all that. But can yeah. you explain? Can you explain at least two fools that I'm sitting with? Hey, whoa, why? Whoa, whoa. Why <laughs> shoes are just so important to okay. any any outfit. All right, so I'm gonna literally leave you with this. You can you can do anything top, you know, top and bottoms wise, you know, and then it doesn't matter. But the shoes will always be the first thing anyone pays attention to. If you have a clean pair of dress shoes, if you have a clean pair of, you know, sneakers, if you have a clean pair of boots, that nine times out of ten is the eye grabber. You start at the bottom and then you work your way up and you're like, okay, the shoes work. And then you see the whole fit and you're like, oh, wow, the whole fit goes with the shoe. Oh, wow. And they put these colors together. Boom. And then next thing you know, you know, you're walking around feeling like Casanova. So like the shoes play a, <laughs> a huge confidence booster in my honest opinion, you know, um, next to like any other staple piece. But nine times out of ten, it always starts with the shoes. Always. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Tyler and I are a little bit more like, like I wear black t-shirts every day, and I wear these we're comfortable. Sa- that yeah, just gives you comfy. more of a we're window comfy. to get more. You can look at them right shoes, here. Though. Look, these are my shoes. These the are my shoes. Drink. I wear them everywhere. Comfy. They're Adidas. They just yeah. I I mean a lot of the shoes that I have are Adidas. I really don't stray from that, but they're all black and white also. I don't, because black and white goes with everything. That is true. That's true. You don't have to think too much about it. Right. I just be like, which ones though? You know, like that's the only thing. (laughs) (laughs) Which black and whites am I going with today? Um, (laughs) Yeah, but they all pretty much look the same. It's just the cut of the shoe pretty much is different. See, that's a good thing though. I mean, at least you understand, because like I never knock it if anyone enjoys like all black, you know, or all white silhouettes, because like that's a gift in itself, you know, and black and whites is still a color. So in doubt, if you can make that look good, man, like props to you because it's a lot of people out there who are still trying to figure out their style to this day and you already have it. Yo, on, you know? See, I don't know if I I don't know if I make it look good, but it makes me look good. It, it makes me look better, I feel you like. Feel me? Like I need to hide my girl when you come around with them black shoes, black and white shoes. Hey, granny, auntie, baby girl, you got to go inside. That's <laughs> coming with the steppers today. Yo, I'm going to come and spend at least a week with you to figure myself out. The salt and peppers. Hey, look at you, right, man. You know, next thing you know, you're gonna be wearing dress shirts with your chest out. You know, a little oh, gold man. Bro, hey, I don't over. know about all that. Knows, I'll come visit. <laughs> all right, Jordan. If someone is if if someone is struggling for their style, like, what's yeah. the first like what what's the number one like advice you'd give to them? Um, find find an aesthetic. Like, figure out what your aesthetic is. And when I say this, like in terms, I always ask this question, do you prefer, you know, style over comfort or are you a comfort over style? 
Um, and some people, you know, prefer comfort. Some people are like, I need silhouettes that look crazy. So they prefer the style over the comfort. Then from there, you can kind of figure out, you know, like if you like comfort, there's so many simple brands that focus on strictly comfort. Like, you know, like the Fear of God Essentials, nothing crazy in branding, but just they focus on great quality. You know, um, Amelion Door is another one. Uh, there's so many like little brands out there that just focus on strictly like making comfort the main ideal, but at the same time, not straying too far away from making like crazy pieces, but just sustainable ones that you know you can wear every day with any fit, not much crazy colors going on, you know, which is great for somebody who's like Jackson, who likes, you know, black and white, for example, there's, he can find some great pieces that you're like, whoa, I feel like I'm touching silk right now. And really it's just like a black silk shirt, you know, with some nice tailored trousers and black shoes. It looks clean, you know? You make or me you- want to get dressed. You make me want to <laughs> just go upstairs and go get dressed. <laughs> well, hey, let me know, man. Just send me the pictures. I'll let you know which fit I'm rocking with for the day. And then All right, perfect, yourself, perfect. Oh, the game changer, you know, when you have a good outfit on, man, your confidence gets boosted because it's like, okay, you know, you're going to yeah. turn some heads. You may get a couple people like, oh, you look good. You know, I'm, and that, it's major. Okay. It's a major thing. I'm glad you said the C word confidence because I'm, so I was going through your Instagram and I was like, is this, is this, is this guy wearing a goddamn kilt and a Bulls jersey? <laughs> like a Bulls hockey jersey? You, <laughs> you walked out of your house with a kilt. A, I want to know where you got the kilt. B, I want to know where you're like, because you you know you had to have been looking in the mirror with shit putting it on like will this rock with it will this go with it and all that like where did the kilt come from i see you're in it in multiple photos how often do you wear the kilt and just tell me about the kilt <laughs> the kilt uh, I don't know about the kilt. <laughs> the infamous kilt all right so funny funny thing about that and curveball about that is that they're actually shorts there is not a oh we've been had yeah so it's like a, it's a crazy thing because like for ever since I got those um I literally go through that so many times where somebody's like hey yo nice kilt and I'm like oh bro it's, they're shorts but thank you like you know like I, I agree with it because it the, the silhouette of it is very like goes out and then comes down so it seems like you know it is a kilt um but, and it's very flowy like a kilt as well um but yeah they they close in the middle so it's like uh, like shorts. So it's pretty sick. Um, they're from Undercover um, in North Hollywood. It was like collaboration. Undercover is like a Japanese brand. Um, and North Hollywood's an upcoming brand as well that we carry at North, at uh, Congruent Space. So I actually got those. The first time I saw those, I like fell in love because it's a three-piece. So it's like this long trench coat. That's the same pattern. Um, there's a button-up dress shirt. That's the same pattern. And then the like kilt shorts. And I used them. So I was doing a, a little like project with Leica cameras. Um, my friend Braxton Miller was doing like practically like this TED Talk situation thing with uh, Leica cameras. They interviewed him, you know, talking about his photography. And, you know, I work with Braxton a lot. Um, I know, um, you know, you know, side notes and not jump the gun, but I know we got, you know, new music coming out. Um, he's one of the guys who was helping me, you know, bring that visual story, you know, to life is Braxton. He's always been like a dear friend to me, you know, like really one of my brothers. And he just understands what I want visually and always takes it to maximum level. So like when we did that project for Leica, I ended up like was pulling pieces from Congruent. And that was the pieces, the two pieces that I picked was the kilt shorts with the overcoat. And ever since then, I fell in love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 man. And it just, it went nuts, man. I, I remember seeing it in the conversation because I tuned in for the, the conversation he was doing, man. And everyone was just like, hey, yo, like, <laughs> this fit is nuts. Not to mention, like, he snapped on the photo. So, 
Yeah, I fell yeah. in love. I, I need to take those home. So I literally came back to the shop. I was like, yeah, these are not going to be on the rack anymore. <laughs> yeah. Home with me. And yeah, bro, I, I love them to death, to be honest. Like, they're such I mean, a crazy they, they, I bet they're comfy. Oh, they're, bro, they're very comfy. I wore them for the Austin AG Brave Studios pop up. We had a congruent like two weekends ago or one weekend ago. And literally everybody was kind of like freaking out about them. And they're like, bro, you're coming mad, bro. You got like the rock, <laughs> uh, like the uh, the rock bull um for you know Dwayne and Rock Johnson his wrestling days that was that jersey and everybody's like yo you're coming so mad right now with the kill and I was like hey it was just my bravado that day I was like I'm just feeling the kill bro like let's go you know? <laughs> yeah that's awesome I mean like everything that I scrolled through on your Instagram uh it was all of your outfits are always on point and it is just so yeah I mean any advice that you we can get during this interview <laughs> <laughs> we will take it and oh, also man. that's why i asked where the stu- uh where your uh the shop was uh mm. for congruent space and iridium because i was like yeah we'll swing through we'll you know come see you we'll Dude, we check get a out. document a vlog of you putting on outfits on all of us <laughs> i honestly would do that you know congruence congruence my like little like fun playground i like to say just because like the pieces that come through there are just always so mad you know they come from you know either fashion week collections or like local designers from all over the world you know from nigeria to copenhagen to you know uh argentina like there's there's literally brands from yeah. everywhere in that store um and it's pretty well curated so it's like it's pretty sick when i you know i have clients that hit me up and they're coming in you know to do work or like even somebody that i was able to do like the street ball legend um uh, bone collector which was not too long ago maybe about like that was like during uh during COVID. you know he came in to do a little project and i had the ability to style him for that and that was pretty crazy to see somebody who's you know such a a huge and one street ball legend you know for life and you can look up his mixtapes man was he still to this day is a dog you know when it comes to basketball and it was pretty sick to see somebody who's not like huge into fashion and really get like mad excited when i was putting him in these pieces and he was like yo i'm gonna have to buy a couple of these at the end of the end of the shooting process he was like bro i need to buy some of these off of you like these are just so funny <laughs> so it's, it's pretty cool to see like some people just come in they're not really big like into fashion they have like a certain style and then you know they like, kind of allow me to kind of you know put them you know into certain things they wouldn't necessarily do and then they kind of see that confidence that they you know they radiate with like man like, damn i look good you know and after that you know it's a wrap now now they're excited yeah. to dress so it's pretty fun it's pretty fun do you do you think your style of music and your style of fashion collaborate with each other or do you think they're two separate worlds? Nah, hundred percent. They they come together. Um I'm a very like funky oriented dresser. Um so I think I really embody that with the music. It's always very like funk based, no matter if it goes into like funk electronic or like strict funk or funk R and B or funk rap. Like it's always a l element of funk. Um and I think that just goes back again to like my parents and like the type of music they would play in the car was always like you know, from the Ohio players to like, you know, house music to print, you know, everything, you know, Sade. So I was getting like Bootsy Collins even, you know, it was like very like funk elements and very like people who understood uh, mentally what they wanted and what they wanted out of life. And they were okay with being happy. And I think it, it resembled in their music. And so from there, I was just like, I love, I love guys like James Brown. I just really love to like get down and have that showmanship. And so like when I dress, it's the same way. Like I walk with like my chin up, you know, yeah, somebody who sees me on the street could probably say it's braggadocious, but really I'm just confident <laughs> in my walk. Like I just don't, I'm a bad, I'm a bad son of a, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's what it is. And like no one can really tell me different. 
And as long as you embody that, bro, like the world's through, you know, anything. Your, you your, uh, your style of like pretty much like how you're dressed, like the confidence with it. And then I also the, like the fun you have with your clothes and your music reminds me of my favorite rapper, Kid Cudi. Cause uh, yeah. <laughs> Kid Cudi has like a, a super like creative style with his music. And then like, like, uh, like you said earlier, like he dances on stage goofy as shit all the time too. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's funny that you say that though. Cause like, bro, I listened to so much Kid Cudi when I was a kid. Uh, you know, like obviously that was the era that we grew up on. It was like Kid yeah. Cudi, um, mm-hmm. early Wiz Khalifa, even NERD, which I yeah. have like added on me, you know, cause you can't go wrong. Love NERD. Um, <laughs> But it's it, but that was the element of music, and that made that made us understand that it's okay to just be who we are as kids. Because like it was so much pressure of trying to fit in, but it was like guys like Kid Cudi it was like, nah, like I'm Mr. Rager, and I, I'm That's okay right. with that, you know. And it was just sick to see, man. He just Kid Cudi, man, opened a world that we didn't even know was possible as kids. So I know you said uh, we talked about how you kind of got into music because of church, and then you went and got. Uh, you, the the music that was being played around the house by your parents was uh you, you know kind of inspires the style uh that you put on your music but is there any like specific uh artists that like have inspired like you've listened to a song and you're like like i i really think like i could do something with like this vibe of a song like are there any songs mm-hmm. or like artists that you think have like like for any of your albums that you're like this one is very you know like Prince-esque. Influenced like, by. Yeah, influenced yeah. by that artist. Yeah. Um, I would definitely, so like we'll take my last album, for example, Lost in Translation. Um, I did have a couple artists that were like main inspirations um, in terms of, I really, so for that album, I really want to bring to life these, these letters I was writing personally to myself of just like life, you know, situations I was going through and like these trials and tribulations. And I kind of want to write these letters to myself in a very poetic way because that's, in terms of just how I write, you know, like no matter if I'm rapping or singing, it's always very poetic, which I think in terms is hard for some people who listen to it because it's like they have to like play connecting other dots, you know, certain metaphors mean certain things. Um, it's not always like the most descriptive thing of like, yeah, I went to the beach today. I had a great time, fell in love and that's the end. No, it's it's going to have a story to it and it's uh, going to kind of keep you along where you got to double back sometimes and be like, oh, that makes sense now. Um, so a couple artists that really made made me into who I was to create that and that mindset was like guys like Sanfa. Sanfa, um, you know, coming out of London, one of the best, you know, but one of the best guys who has one of the craziest pen games that doesn't get as much respect for it just because it's always a very like singing style, you know, whether he, you know, was doing collaborations with Drake or with Kanye, he always has such an distinct voice. But like the one thing that gets kind of, you know, pushed in the background is just the way he writes is so, so well written, you know, so poetic, you know, um, songs like Blood on Me or even like Under. He talks about like some crazy, crazy life things or like even a song like No One Knows Me Like the Piano really just talks about him growing up, you know, in his, in his mom's home and had that relationship that he had with the piano was teaching him so much about himself. And now that, you know, he's not able to have that anymore, he's reflecting on those days and you know, how much that made him who he was. So it was just, it was crazy to see. Um, in terms of like the funk element that I brought with that album, uh, Theophilus London was another one. 
Um, Theophilus London was like a huge, huge, huge inspiration in my music in general. Um, he just has such a funk element that, you know, reminds me of like a James Brown, to be honest, but of our generation. You know, he came up with Cuddy and like Kanye. He has a couple songs with Kanye. Um, he was on All Day with Kanye, if you guys remember that one. Mm, yeah. um, he also has another song with Kanye called Can't Stop. That's such a bop. But the office on the man is super talented. But another guy who just, you know, doesn't really tell you the cookie cutter words, but re- really explain it to you and make you feel like you went on his journey. Um, so that's that's another guy. And then Minnie Ripperton, you know, shout out, shout out to O-Heads. Minnie Ripperton always, always, always had such a beautiful voice. But then her her writing was always so amazing, you know, like. Um, even like I'm the black hole of the sun, you know, the song that she did with rotary connection. It's one of my favorite songs ever. And it's amazing. Um, you can't go wrong with loving you, which is a classic mini Ripperton song, you know? Um, so yeah, those are, I think those are three, three artists that really embodied, um, you know, my mindset for that album, you know, and that's, that's even just from like a writing standpoint, um, and more of aesthetic when it came to production, it was a totally different thing. That was more like, you know, Gasolstein and that electronic feel also with, um, the R and B feel that I used to listen to with like the Ohio players and like, you know, the James Browns, the Blackbirds, you know, um, the Roy Ayers, the Leon Wears, like stuff like that. So yeah, it was pretty sick. And then to be able to kind of wrap all that up into one album, man, I still, still to this day, it's one of my favorite albums. I mean, it is my only album. <laughs> as, as well, artist, but but you have, you have Garden of Eden also. Yeah, that was a collaboration album that I also recorded at the same time of Lost in Translation. So the time when I was making Lost in Translation, I was working double time. Um, you know, I was doing the sessions with Trip, but then also was doing my own like solo sessions. And so I was just like literally Garden of Eden was the release for me to not write. So that whole Garden of Eden album like was all freestyled. Like I only wrote one uh-huh. verse on there. Only That's one awesome. verse written out of the whole album. Yeah. But it was really just like times with me and Trip were just in the in the studio and just kind of like, all right, going back and forth. Like he'll do a uh, do a verse, and I'll be like, all right, just give me the headphones, <laughs> let it play, and then I'll just like dish out something, man. Like, and it's crazy because now we're working on you know uh, Garden of Eden two. Um, we're about to start kicking off on that. We got a couple like little solo songs, um, but we're gonna probably dive like deeper in that, and you know, in the later of the summer um, of studio sessions. So that's gonna be kind of interesting. But I think for the Garden of Eden, I'm gonna continue to just not write at all and just continue to freestyle because I don't know. I, I mean, I have the ability to do it now, so like you know, might as well. <laughs> yeah, might as well. Leave. Yeah, you got to use that if you can do it. I mean, I can't freestyle for shit. So <laughs> I, would expect, I, I would expect you to. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get it. No, no, there's absolutely no. So way. white. <laughs> it's like a lack of rhythm <laughs> and yeah just all of that it's Maybe um, we'll cut that part out yeah. black t-shirts the black adidas that is a bar right there jackson i wear black tees and black adidas you can't touch me <laughs> um uh, drop the mic <laughs> But I, I've been listening. I, I actually so all day. I've been listening to Lost in Translation in preparation for this. Listen to it all day. That's all day. I've it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I yeah. I woke up at ten, so it wasn't that long. But it was just like twelve hours. I was like listening to that and then a mix of your other stuff. But I would say I I loved the intro on White Rose Renegade. 
yeah. uh, where it just it tells you you're about you're about to experience like this whole array of emotions. And like as soon as that, I was like, I was listening to it, and then all of a sudden it skipped, and I didn't realize it was on shuffle. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Like it didn't <laughs> like, but then I went and I listened to the first one again, and I took shuffle off, and it went in, and it just it all kind of flowed together. It was such a beautiful album to listen to all the way through like in like uh continuity and it just so like listening to you like talk about like the story behind it and how you came with that and then also the difference between you know writing the lyrics and then you know when it came to production how that changed and how those uh different influences inspired you i think it's just amazing but that white rose renegade i was like sitting there doing like spreadsheets and typing up my show notes for this and i was like damn this this shit's fire (laughs) because i have um like one of the first songs i heard by you was actually also a collaboration uh it was finer things you and cambo yeah and was was trip also on there no uh actually jerry jerry velasquez aka he's on there. right right yeah yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah that's a crazy song, man. Uh, shout out to Cam. You know, he he blessed me with the hey, AJM. Good verse on this. I'm like, Cam, <laughs> let's get it, bro. Like, you're my dog. Like, say nothing. And then, yeah, Finer Things came out. That was another one. Like, I didn't write any bars. I just kind of was just feeling the song with it with Jerry and uh, Cam. And then we just hashed that out in like 45 minutes. It was pretty fast. Yeah, that one was the one that I um I was literally I sent it to my buddies. I sent it to these guys and I sent it to like my roommate and stuff. And then my roommate was like, "Hey, let's go grab lunch." Uh, he is getting off work, and I jumped in his car, and that song was playing. And I was like, "Oh shit!" I sent it to Cambo. I was like, "Dude, you're like I got in my buddy's car, and your song was playing." I got a, I got a question about when you write music. So I'm, I don't know how it's done, and I want you to explain it to me because I think it comes both ways. Which comes first? Like, do you find a beat and you're like, oh, I know exactly what to write to this? And then I'm sure there's also times where you're like, oh, I'm feeling these emotions or these vibes or whatever, and I'm going to start writing. And then the beat comes later. Like, mm-hmm. which, which way more happens for you? Or am I just completely so far off on everything? Like, I don't Not understand more. which comes first. <laughs> It's always kind of interesting because, like, it's honestly a mix of both, bro. Like, if I had to, to be honest, like, it's certain songs, like, this new song that I'm about to put out, um, Orange County Blossom, that we're working on a video for. That one I literally wrote um, in, Los, like, Los Angeles. So I was in, actually, Orange County um, in October. And uh, I was just at the, at the beach, you know, had this wonderful night at the beach. And literally these words literally struck me. It was like, Orange County Blossom, 24 hours on my mind. I'm trying to find a way to, you know, climb to your heart, to your heart, run me back to the start, to your heart, to your heart, where you ignited the spark. Um, and that was kind of like just like the chorus into like the bridge area. But the verses were, you know, it's a, it's a very poetic thing. So like a lot of the times I just, I really enjoy writing because I really will just like either type out in my no section, like bars without any beat. I just, it's just thoughts, you know, or I'll write songs um, the same way, you know, where I have my notepad and I'll just like write it without a beat. But then sometimes, you know, um, I either get like a drum pattern in my head and I'm like, and then I'm like, all right, now I have to, you know, either load this in an NPC or I'm like going to the studio trying to figure out ways to like kind of bring that to life, whether it's, you know, through the drums or through the keys or even having like certain friends like, yo, this is the skeleton. 
you know, can you make this? And, you know, um, shout out to a couple of producers that I work with, you know, Malik XYZ. Um, my friend Joy Friend, I uh, worked with him on the last album with Running. Um, my friend and my dear friend, Siggy Armisen, um, you know, constantly a producer that I always work with, um, with songs like Matinee, that was on the last album, um, 2001, um, Odyssey, and also did White Rose Renegade um, a little bit with me. So that was like, you know, being able to work on those, a lot of those kind of start as just a beat only. And then I'll figure out how I'm going to come on this. Cause like sometimes I'll be like, do I want to sing on this or do I want to rap on this? And I think that's kind of the blessing of me being able to do both. I can kind of figure out, do I want to slow it down or do I like want to give you, you know, full throttle bars. Um, so it's kind of interesting, you know? So I'd say it's definitely a both, both for sure. Gotcha. And I, th- I think with writing too, with just l- lyricism is you can get so, I mean, just creative really. But I'm curious, who do you think is the best lyricist out there right now? Kendrick Lamar. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And no, no questions asked. He has the best pen in rap game ever. I'm going to be completely honest. Um, no one can visually tell a story um, in a three-minute song and not. You know, he, he can take something as simple as telling you a story about a man and a girl falling in love that really should take like maybe a minute to say, but the man will span it to four, four minutes over a jazz beat. And for some reason, it sounds like the greatest experience of falling in love, <laughs> even though that moment itself probably lasted maybe about five minutes in real life, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, Kendrick, man, he's to this day, to this day, I don't think anybody, you know, can even touch where he's at. You know, of course you got the Drakes, you know, Drake definitely gets credit for his pen game. Um, guys like John Bellion that fly under the radar for their pen game, bro. You know, um, Big L. There's so many people who have like crazy pens, but most definitely Kendrick takes the cake. All, All right, I'm gonna get, I might get you in trouble right here. Who do you think is the most overrated? Oh, you like I stop got, the I recording. Got, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, off the record. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> no um, bro. Uh, people are gonna hate me for this, bro. But I'm gonna be. I'm gonna say J Cole. Oh, oh. I can see that. Only, I can see that. The only reason I'm gonna say this because, like, how many times do you guys get excited when you hear a new Kendrick song, and then how many times do you get excited when you hear a new J Cole song? Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So I always ask, yep. ask myself that question because I'm like, J Cole, he raps. Of course, he raps. I'm not gonna deny that. But like, in terms of like making a good song, it's it's been a minute, you know, and it's been a minute that makes me feel like excited to listen where I'm like, Oh man, like Cole just said that. Oh, now I gotta rewind this, you know? Um, yeah, I, I, I think Cole's. Well, I mean, he, he's, not, <laughs> he's not even rapping right now. He's balling out in Australia or whatever. He's yeah. playing in that professional. Yeah, 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 he, he's playing for Wanda right now. Man's going crazy. Yeah, that's, you know? yeah. <laughs> I was not expecting that either. Man dropped like a, like a little album, like not too long ago. But then next thing you know, we saw on ESPN. He's also dropping yeah. buckets. I'm like, <laughs> double dropping today? Like, <laughs> dropping times, dropping buckets and dropping the album? Jesus. <laughs> so um, if you, um, hold on, I just had it. What did you just delete off my list? Um, the questions I asked. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. So, like, okay, there it is. It was right above that. Um, so, when you, like, get to, like, sitting down and writing, is there, like, a routine that you get into? Like, you're like, okay, I got to sit down with, like, a cup of coffee, a cup of black tea or whatever it is. And you're like, you have to get into, like, the, do those first five steps. I know, like, 
when we like write like sketches and stuff, like I know when I sit down and write, I have to do like I'm like I make myself a cup of coffee, I pack a one hitter, mm-hmm. and I what? sit in my sit in front of my computer and I like let the one hitter just dangle out of my mouth and light it, yeah. and just type, you know. But it's like, but it, but it's got to be like at certain times, it's got to be either super late or it's got to be mm-hmm. super in the morning. It's like the only two times where I'm like, well, you wake I up at just 10, do so. this. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes if I know that I'm going to write, I'm like on a good day on a good day. If I like wake up, but like when I'm like partying with you guys the night before on a Tuesday, it like, doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a groggy start to the day, but that one hitter is definitely going to bring you back to life though. Yeah, for sure. That for sure. Every day. Um, all right. So I don't, I don't know, you know, um, I wouldn't say I have a process. I think, uh, it kind of, I, ne- I learned to like, you know, don't rush things so like if i'm like in album mode you know i won't rush a story you know if i feel like i cannot you know just write the story effortlessly um and make it make sense then i'm not gonna rush it. i'll put it away you know move on to another song because whole time that song just may not click and then i may move on to a totally different song um slower tempo next thing you know i'm like i come out with this very like sensual r&b song or very like nice pop song and i can come back later and then you know, late at night, be able to write the bars. So I just learned to like not rush anything. But in terms of process, bro, I literally write in the most random, random of times. I guarantee you. I Some days I can wake up and I'll just instantly like start cranking out like choruses and melodies, just singing like when I'm in the shower, you know, like cooking or like, you know, just in my bed. It's a late start. And I'm just like singing. And next thing you know, I'm like, oh, she where's my notes i gotta like take this all the time i got a new hook you know stuff like that but then i can you know i can be outside on a walk i can be at the park i can be at a library um i could i've written on flights surprisingly i've written like a good amount of loss of translation on flights and in different cities so that was like pretty sick too because like loss of translation i didn't make that majority of that was not made at home it was made in different cities <laughs> um, so that was pretty sick uh to kind of you know be able to do that but yeah i don't think i have a really a process i think the most most thing i like to do is definitely you know either you know a spliff or a joint you know or some type of tea i always keep the tea with me bro like that's just me i'm always have some type of tea with me and then really just make sure my mind's ready and then just explore it you know really just not hold back you know if it doesn't make sense then i can rework that later so it makes sense but at least i got out all the ideas i wanted to at that time so i'm not going back later and being like fuck like what happened you know like this is why I shouldn't have stopped because I now forgot this whole thought process. That was such a great, great idea to build on. Right. Do, do you, uh, do you carry around like a little pen battery? You just put everything in your phone. Yes, bro. Right here. Hey. Yeah. I don't know if you guys can see it. Cause this light is mad kicking right now, but like <laughs> this is it. Uh, my little book of songs. Uh, I have a couple songs in here, a couple songs that are not released yet. So, you know, I even like, all my notes that I usually do for albums, like when I'm about to like mix and master, um, going through that process, I'll write them in here detailed. So like, you know, like here's like a couple notes from like the last album with Friday night, like with matinee, the mix details. I was like, yo, bring up the deep register, the background, especially on the chorus, add distortion on mainline vocals, bring the B volume up to really bounce, add a low register vocal stack on pre-courses. So like, I kind of use this for like writing songs, but then also making jotting down notes when I'm ready to mix or when I, you know, do a demo and then I'm like, okay, now I want to go back and revisit it, clean it up so I can get ready to release it. Now I'm making notes of like, okay, 
I need to redo, you know, chorus one because I started losing it or the backgrounds in chorus three, you're too loud. Let me bring these down. I'm doing too much. Re-record, you know, this chorus. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a mix, bro. And then it's also like if my friends are with me when I'm writing stuff, they end up, you know, doodling in here. Like I got a little Manny right here. <laughs> Jay Hill. Um, I went to go see him. Uh, this was like this past summer during quarantine is when I was working on Lost in Translation and I was in Arizona for like a month and I was working uh, working on the songs out there and uh, on the little mixed notes, my man drew a Manny um, <laughs> from Diary with the Kid. So yeah, it's cool, man. You know, it's just really fun. Yeah. So, um, so speaking of uh, the quarantine and the pandemic, it was so as a musician uh, did like going into the pandemic, like what were your thoughts? Like immediately, like when you first, like, they were like, all right, two weeks, you know, like yeah. we're out, you know, like, and then they went and they're like, all right, you know, six months, however long. And then we were in there forever and we're kind of yeah. still not out, but we're no, not dead. in it anymore. And it's but, not. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And like now there's a whole new thing from India, but True. there's, um, oh, but like, what, what were your like initial thoughts on the whole thing? Like being like, okay, like, is it go time or you were like, and now it's time to look at the stylist stuff and just work mm-hmm. on that. Or what was the, so it was, so during that time too, uh, right before, you know, we just came off an of all-star weekend. Um, I was playing a lot of shows during that, that time. And then, you know, I was always out there during all-star weekend. Cause that's like when it's just heavy of like parties and all those types of events and stuff like that. So it was just a busy time. And then, um, right before quarantine, we were prepping, we were about to do a, another, so I performed at the MCA. I closed out a festival called 21 minus festival um and that was like one of the biggest shows i've played to this day um where i was able to fill out um the mca museum of contemporary art um so that was pretty sick uh yeah um and to get that honor too that was during like virgil's uh figure of speech exhibition so that was like just a a big honor in itself um to be able to do that you know especially from being from indiana and being able to play on that that scale a lot of people who were there didn't even know who who the hell i was you know they were just there for the art and the whole time they just you know come up to me after and like yo where's your other music you know so um we were prepping to actually bring a a show a fashion week presentation to the mca called fashion house and i was with um fortune house um you know myself mac max team um over at fortune house um deja and all you know all those guys of that team and then ken retro um we were all like really presenting it so during that time, you know, we were starting to have sound checks at the museum. You know, the models were coming in. We just had a huge model casting call that was like over 200, you know, models tried out for that. Um, so we were prepping for like the biggest event that the museum has seen, like in terms of like a youth event, you know, a youth ran. Like it was all people that were like under the age of like, you know, 22, 21. So it was it was pretty wild at that time. Um, and so to be even a part of that, you know, it was pretty crazy. But, you know. That was literally supposed to exactly happen on March 20th and 21st. And then next thing you know, they're like, nah, the museum has to close down because of the, you know, the COVID. And then we're like, are you serious? Like, we had over a thousand people RSVP for it. Like, it was about to pack out, man. When I say this was about to be a crazy event. And then COVID really just said, you know, like, change the plans. Like, sit down, go home, sit down, you know, take a breather. Um, Don't leave your house. Yeah, don't leave your house. <laughs> Go get your toilet paper, you know, because it's about to run out. <laughs> Go get all of the toilet paper, pretty yeah, much. Exactly. But, the toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's that's crazy. I mean, like, cause yeah. cause we had actually been kind of 
on a hiatus from like we kind of took a break over the holidays uh and then like going into january and i had done like maybe two shows at second city and then they had to put the rest of them on hold but it was uh it was just crazy to like you know like i was like for pretty much like six to eight months like the three of us were sitting here like what do we do? Yeah, and what we do, do this, yeah. Now we now we have a podcast like everyone else. Jordan, <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a question. I got another question for you. Um, did you ever think about having like a rap name, or were you always just set on I'm going to be Jordan Martin because that's who the hell I am? Uh, that's a that's a. I love that you bring that up, man. Because like I get that so many times. They're like, or well, pop- tell people that my rap name is Jordan Martin. They're like. That that's your rap name? I'm like, bro, I don't I don't want to have an alias. I think that's always been kind of weird to me. Like, why would I have an alias? Because then now I have a second name I need to like pay attention to. So I was like, oh, what's up? Like, you know, little Jay. I'm like, bro, I don't I don't answer that all the time. Like, this just sounds weird, you know? So right. it's rather I want I want people like because like the music that I make is very like personal, you know, like the stories that I tell, the the way that I construct you know the visuals the way that i construct the songs itself are very personal and i feel like people can kind of hear that so it was like i want i want myself to feel as embodied in the music as possible so i was like why not just keep it my name so it's not some like head ass like oh i'm some different person like no i'm just i'm just jordan martin you know you take it or leave it you like it you love it um if you get a chance to, because I was, the biggest thing, especially when I was making Lost in Translation, I was so scared to put it out at first because it took me essentially like three years to make this album. But it was so much different sounds in that, you know, in that album. Matinee sounds completely different than a Russian roulette. White Rose Renegade sounds like something totally different than like the last song on the album, How Do I Say I Love You? So it was like a, it was a wide range of just like sounds. And I was very scared because I didn't know how people were going to take it because they're like, I have a lot of people who strictly like to listen to me because I rap bars. Like when I rap, when I, when I rap, I rap, you know? And then there's some people who just like, like when I sing and like very, like, you know, very touching and like that type of writing. So it was weird to kind of combine, combine the two. Um, but it was kind of sick though, because you know, when people ask me like, yo, you want a, you want a rap name? Like you want a rap name? Like, nah, I'm just, I'm just Jordan Martin, you know? JM, as some people call but, me. Yeah. But I think that's almost better. Like I feel like that's. Uh, I mean, uh, like authentic. Like that. Like it's me. Like it's it's you doing it. You know. It's like you're like I'm not some other person. I'm not. I think that's awesome that you can just be like, pretty much like it, love it, take it or leave it. You know, sort yeah. of deal. And like that's just like a great mentality to have. I mean that that I mean like that mentality definitely goes with you know your your style of outfits and your music because your music um is like like especially this last album was uh phenomenal in the way that it kind of took you on a journey from different things where like you said white rose renegade was a different sound than the last one on the album and i was sitting there listening to that i'm like i feel like i'm on a journey through all these almost not necessarily different genres but like almost very different styles of how they were put together and it just it was cool to get it kind of felt like i was like like going on a journey with this whole album, like just like listening to it, you know? And like, that's pretty much what you say in the intro for the Man. first song. It's like, you're about to go on a journey. Like, and I was like, I'm yeah. fucking ready. So. <laughs> All right. It was, that was the huge thing. Like we just, my bad. It was like one thing that we wanted to prep. Uh, when I was making the album, I was like, I need to prep people. Cause I don't want them to just kind of listen and be like, okay, well that was a clusterfuck of a whole bunch, like what? Nine to 10 songs. 
I had to tell people, you know, from like bot A12, you know, shout out my bot A12, which is like, you know, my little bot that, you know, joins me on these travel plans, uh, may make a return later in other albums, may not, you know, but uh, it's kind of like my control center because like, obviously I love Star Wars. I love like, I love movies. And I think that's why um, when I made Lost in Translation, it's meant to be a audio movie. You know, where like if you just put on the headphones, close your eyes, it's going to take your mind on a crazy journey. And uh, one thing that, you know, it was kind of tough when I was making this album, too, um, because I didn't get really get a chance to play the album live because quarantine just happened, you know, and I didn't release the album until quarantine. So a couple of the shows right before quarantine is when I was like kind of previewing like the little demos. I'll play it, you know, cheeky kind of like checking the response, like, yo, y'all rocking with it? Like, and people were like, yo, like crazy responses. Um, And so like, you know, right before going to quarantine, bro, I was playing shows like two or three shows a weekend. You know, it got, it got mad hectic. Like, where I was like, fuck, like, <laughs> how am I doing this? But like, it was so sick because like, you know, I just kept going up, you know, up and I was getting bigger venues, bigger rooms, you know, being able to actually sell out shows at that point. Um, so it was kind of sick, but yeah, man, I don't, yeah, shout out, shout out to the, that album in, in itself. Cause I still think it flew over a lot of people's heads, you know, respectfully. Um, but I kind of knew it was, it was going to do that because it, it's a lot to take in. Um, but if you really paid attention to the stories, um, for anyone who like enjoys movies or just enjoy journeys, it will, you know, gladly do that, you know, for you, but also very tasteful and it's the quality still there. It's not like I compromise quality to do too much of a storyline, you know, it's, it's still hand in hand. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Jordan, do you, do you have a manager? Uh, so I have friends who help me. I don't, I don't think I have like okay. a quote unquote manager. Um, you know, shout out my friends, you know, Abby uber they they they're like you know i have like a couple friends that i literally always hit when it comes to like business elements like whether it's like i have new demos coming out they'll be the first ones to listen and you know kind of give me gotcha. that the update of you know i don't like this maybe you need to try you know slowing this down here this probably needs to be recorded re-recorded and the crazy thing is they're not even like like music music people they're music appreciators and you know um music business people you know um abby who's you know done work for like closed sessions like she's very like she she kind of knows the music industry so it's always good to you know have a friend like her who you know she did my press package for lost in translation and i really appreciate her for that because like i didn't think that album was gonna you know touch the you know the ears that it did but it, you know I, it got me write-ups you know the ghetto flower literally you know did this huge write-up um shout out to abby with that um and then we were sending into labels and stuff like that. Um, and then Uba, you know, shout out, you know, he put, you know, a lot of those songs that were from the album onto like the Juice Box Collective, like Fresh 30. That was like my first time even being playlisted. Um, so it was just like wild, you know, and people were actually throwing the album into like their end of the year wrap ups. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> we're going to 2020. I was like, yo, I was not expecting that at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, just just honestly, shout out, you know, good friends that are around me. You know, even Caleb, you know, big up Caleb. You know, we've had so many conversations where um, I just bounce ideas off of them or like little things to do. So like, I don't, yeah, I don't have like a set manager, um, but yeah, I always have like great friends in my corner. Even Brady Halverson, like shout out him too. Um, well, well, you can, you, you can tell Abby and Brady and whatever I'm gunning for their jobs because this is what I just did. Post Malone got his name from a rap name generator on the internet and I typed okay. in your name and I'm going to throw you out a couple, uh, 
Raphaeus at the internet. <laughs> okay, <game>. okay. <laughs> I might end up changing it tonight, to this, be honest. <laughs> so, so it, all I asked for was first name and then last initial. So I just put Jordan M, obviously. Mm-hmm. My favorite is Hoodie Jordy Hazy, a.k.a. Kilowack. Kilowack. What do you think of that Hoodie one? Hoodie Jordan there, Hazy. That's kind of piece of it. I'm not going to lie. There, there's, also, there's also Dollar Jordy J Slingshot. Oh, oh! I like that. There's, yeah. there's, there's Dan, so J O R space D A N, mm. and then I'll finish it up with J Jordy Guns, aka Scammer Trigger. <laughs> I like the. I ain't gonna lie, the the Jordan's kind of interesting because like, does it have a dash in between, like the Jordan? No, and it's just just, just oh, Jordan, and then Dan. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's kind of interesting. I like the gunslinger one. That's actually kind of fire. Yeah, the, 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 like, the like, best slingshot. Yeah, <laughs> that is uh, yeah. Myrapname.com. So there we My go. Rap. Damn, I'm gonna send you those because like <laughs> we, you're on the south. <laughs> you're on the south. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So so speaking of uh, you know lost in translation along with uh, Garden of Eden. Uh, what what was like probably your most uh fun project to work on slash your f- most uh the most fun you had like doing a collab with someone mm, definitely obviously garden of eden i think was the most exciting just because i think you can musically hear it too i it was not my style of music at all like um if you hear like blossom translation that's more like the music i would you know make myself you know on my own um but you know, Garden of Eden was like, wow, you know, I've never made a collaboration album. Um, but Trip is somebody I've always, he's been a constant, cl- you know, collaborator. And we just worked so well together that it was like, it was a no brainer. Like at first we didn't even go in with the intention to make an album. It was just like a, all right, uh, we just started making a whole bunch of songs and they just banged. Like everyone just banged. And we were, we were cranking them out so easy, man. Like during the Garden of Eden process, bro, we were knocking out three songs in like four hour spans. You know, so it, it was like very, 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 very fast. And it was like, all right, we knocked one out. All right, load the next one up. And it would be a totally different style. But I just love the fact that I didn't think too much into it, you know, and that's what made Garden of Eden so fun for me because it, it allowed me to challenge myself in terms of like freestyling and like creatively coming up with like even like melodic songs that were like freestyled. Like I didn't, I didn't hear the beat at all until that moment. And then Trip will play it. And I was like, all right. I can come up with something. Let me let me run it real quick. You know, I run two or three times and then have the time, bro. One take it, you know. And the, the crazy thing is, like, it was a couple songs that didn't make that album. Um, and one song that didn't make the album ended up being the outro for Lost in Translation because it made the most sense. Which is like, how do I say I love you, bro? That, that story in itself was pretty wild because, um, you know, we loaded up the song, man. And uh, literally, uh, if you listen to How Do I Say I Love You, uh the whole part of my verse is all freestyled and it's a poem form so I, like i'm rapping but it's very much a poem you know and uh i like one taked it i literally one taked it uh yeah. literally just played the song um and then literally just went through like closed my eyes and just went through and then it was funny because i remember opening my eyes all the way to the end that whole song was freestyled one take like even the end where i'm just carrying it out with trip that was one take. I he didn't stop it. He didn't have to cut it once. Nothing, and it was just pretty wild. Cause like once I got to the end, I was like so jacked up, bro. Like, I was like, oh. 
open my eyes. <laughs> I just took a deep breath, bro. Because the story that I was telling how I said I love you was something I think was bottled up in me for a while. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know that until that moment. And that's the beautiful thing about music. It, it teaches you a lot about yourself. Um, and in that music, that, that moment itself, I was like, whoa, I had some things I need to evaluate about myself. And I didn't know it until the, the words came out on this song because that song made me want to say this. And then Tripp just kind of looked at me like, he stopped the song and it's just like, dude, do you know what you just did? <laughs> and he's, the funny thing is Tripp has been with me. Like when Tripp's like first beginning of like his career, man, he reached out. Um, uh, and this is when I was, I was, I still wasn't doing much. Like I was like playing shows in Indiana small. Um, and we just had the most organic starting point. He started doing these, uh, his music. And I, I just saw like a lot of potential out of him at first. I was hesitant because I was like, I don't know about these songs at first, bro. I don't know. Um, but he just kept working and then he'll send me a new one. And then I could see, you know, after a while, I was like, yeah, bro, like I see you growing. Um, and then ever since then, we just kept, you know, working together. Uh, he'll be at my sessions, kind of just learning, um, learning how to record, learning how to, you know, the process of just like creatively, you know, applying certain things. Um, and then, yeah, you know, when it came to that point of just us making our own, he was, he's been in like a couple of my sessions where I have one take versus, you know, he's also been in sessions where it's six o'clock in the morning and I'm in there with Stryler. We're all like falling asleep. And I'm like, no, Stryler, I need to go again, bro. Cause like, this is not where I want it to be. Or this is not sounding this. Um, so I really appreciate him, man. Cause like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not shit, you know what I'm saying? But he, he really like, likes to be in the front row and wants to like, learn you know truly and uh yeah when it was came time to make our shit it was just like a no-brainer bro like let's just have fun let's turn up and that's what it happened bro and and there were there you know reception for it was kind of sick i was not expecting that um and then so many people were like posting the song when it dropped like oh my god because you know garden eden came before lost in translation so that was my full first body of work that anyone's ever heard outside of like sound called cuts so they were like yo what and last songs are just crazy and upbeat man it was kind of it was mad sick I'm not gonna lie, it was massive. I love that, like that time. Uh, jo- Jordan, Jordan Martin, yes, sir. Jordan, also, J, J. Jordy <laughs> Guns. Uh, yeah, I, we appreciate you. We appreciate you coming on. I got one more question for you. Okay. Um, it's obvious that like music is you, and that you love doing it. You love creating. You love being an entertainer. On on the days where like you're feeling off or anything, is there a go to where you where you go to with yourself to just get back in that groove? And or are you always just loving life because you're doing what you love every single day? Um, it's it's a little bit. I'm not I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Yeah, like I have those days for sure where you know I mentally want to be somewhere. You know where you know with the music and you know I've, either I'm like mentally frustrated or. Uh, I have writer's block, anything like that, or I just feel like creatively not inspired. Um, sometimes, man, it just, it takes just time of just like sitting, take a couple deep breaths and just explore my mind. Um, and sometimes like, bro, I'm a, I'm a huge, I'm a huge lover of jazz, jazz music. Um, so mm-hmm. usually if I do anything creative before I start, I always play jazz music, you know, um, whether I'm working, whether I'm just casually going through all my day. And so sometimes I just like to, if I can't, physically or like mentally come up with something musically um i'll just go outside you know and plug in with some jazz go walk around take insights and sounds and then they come back and now i have an idea um because i've allowed my mind to kind of like you know debrief a little bit so yeah i mean for most times bro i'm bubbly you know there's not any time you can't catch me with a smile on my face man uh 
that's just like who I am. I'm very outgoing person. Um, shout out my Leos. You know, we out here, Leo gang. Um, but you know, uh, we do have those days though where you know it gets kind of tough. So just really taking in, you know, the beauty that life has for you, and just allow that to be, you know, your canvas essentially. Amen to that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, yeah, so we want to thank you again for coming on, and yeah. you know, we had a great time catching up with you, and we want to come by the studio or the not the studio, not the studio, but not the studio, not the studio. That's the studio sessions, though. Like, I, I'm not opposed to that, man. I'm definitely not okay. to that. for sure. We would definitely Adidas, come by and just like check it Jackson out. Indeed, coming at yeah. you live. <laughs> Check one, two, check one, two. <laughs> we, uh, but the uh, congruent space, we'll come by, we'll check it out. We definitely want to hang out with you and, uh, you know, definitely, you know, grab a drink. Maybe we'll yeah. indulge in some other things if you yeah. know you want. Old fashioned and, and splits, baby. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah. And we can, um, but, uh, I want to, you know, let everyone know that you can check out, uh, Jordan Martin at, the re- at real Jordan Martin on Instagram and uh, Jordan Martin on Spotify. Uh, I, you're on iTunes. You're on SoundCloud. Uh, really, anywhere you can get music. Anywhere. Amazon Music. Amazon anywhere, Music as YouTube. well. Yeah, you can find it anywhere. And then um, what else can we look forward to? I know you talked about um, uh, the other one that you were talking about right that you're writing right now i can't remember yeah. the name of it off orange the top county of my head blossom. orange county blossoms yeah. uh is and then so that's gonna uh i think you said somewhere in the uh, this yeah. summer to uh, you know yeah, i don't want to like give too much away i don't want to like no, force no, no, you in your no, hand no, in no, the no, release and no, you're good you're good uh it's definitely it's definitely coming this summer we're shooting the video for it right now um, I end up putting a poll on my IG trying to figure out, like, yo, should I just drop this on now? Or do you guys want me to wait till, like, the video is finished? And majority of people are like, nah, like, finish the video first and then give us a song. So when the, fin- you know, as as f- the time me, Court, and uh, Braxton finish the video, the song will be out on top of I have more songs sitting in the vault, like Chase the Sun, um, you know, Tug of War. I have other songs. And then I think I'm probably... I mean, I'm not going to preempt it now, but I definitely have a project in mind. Um, I don't know when I'm going to get started on it. But uh, in terms, though, I've been working on the beats and the instrumentals. So I will say uh, those are sounding great. I haven't started the actual writing process yet, but yeah, definitely Dope. expect the album, if not at the end of this year, next year for sure. Well, if you need, if you ever need three goofy ass white guys in your music video, you got it. Yeah, we're, we're here. For I definitely it. would. I will come up with some type of concept, man. I'm telling you, like we're not creative out here. We'll get it done. We'll get it done. All right. So thank you again for coming on, and uh, you can check out Lost in Translation and Garden of Eden anywhere that you can get your music: iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Amazon. Uh, thank you again, and uh, we will definitely uh, see you soon around the Appreciate city. You guys. So. Definitely hit my line. Thank you. Thanks for having me. See ya. See you.